Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Soundworks Collection interview series. This is Michael Coleman, and this week I spoke with Academy Award-winning composer Jason Graves, who has brought his passion for music to such game titles as The Order, 1886, Evolve, Tomb Raider, and Dead Space. We discuss how his diverse musical background as a classically trained composer, drummer, keyboardist, guitarist, and world percussionist allow him to compose many different genres of music. Jason recently finished work on The Order 1886 by Sony Studios and Evolve by 2K Games. And we talk about how he manages the long production timelines spanning several years and how both these games incorporate his music into the player's experience. I hope you enjoy. Congrats on the, the game. I, I just realized that. Are, are they releasing it today? Which game are we talking about? Uh, Evolve. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, I think that comes out today. <laughs> it comes out today. Yay! That's exciting. Yeah, when did you deliver uh, your music? When did you wrap it up? November. Oh, okay. And that was the very last, like, um, you know, cinematics, main menu, all that last minute typical game stuff. <laughs> So I mean, you started this game, what two and a half years ago? How long ago was it? It was it was 2011. I'm pretty sure. Actually, I was gonna check because I've got my uh, my folder yeah. with all the stuff, and it looks like I sent my first my first piece. No, I'm sorry. I was thinking about the order. So it was 2012. Okay. When I started on Evolve. All right. Well, even so, that wasn't yesterday. So that was a while ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so cool. Well, um, well, I definitely want to talk about Evolve, but um, before that, I just wanted to kind of jump in because I, I know you and I know your work, but where did you cut your teeth? Was it wh What was it like in, in your household growing up? What was the inspiration, the thread there early on? Well, my I can't use the typical I came from a musical family. Yeah. My parents were, my dad played drums in high school mm -hmm. and uh, played guitar in college casually my mom played piano and uh did a lot of handbell stuff when i was growing up so yeah and we just love playing music all the time i took piano lessons when i was in i don't know elementary school and quit after about six months because he <laughs> he, he made me say the names of the notes as i played the keys and i didn't like that that's really encouraging i'm sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> but in middle school i picked up drums i think I thought it was cool that my dad did it and they needed it at school and they had an intro to drum lesson kind of thing at school. So I did that and started taking private lessons and did a lot of private lessons for drums and like mallets and timpani and anything I could get my hands on, plus piano in high school. Yeah. Ironically, the same teacher that taught me in elementary school. <laughs> Although in elementary school, I was in South Florida. Okay. Then now in high school, I was in North Carolina, and he had moved as well. We had switched cities, so that seems like a terrible nightmare that that you're being followed. I, I walked in uh, the first day, and he he put up his hands and said, "I promise, I won't make you say the names of the notes." <laughs> <laughs> so, what what was the instrumentation that you were kind of pursuing at that point? Um, you know, I thought I I really liked music, and I think the logical half of my brain said I still needed to get a real job, so I was going to get a degree oh. in, um, like, music copyright law. Okay. And, you know, it seems legit yeah. enough, right? Right. 
Yeah. But eventually, by the time I came around to being a senior in high school, I had an awesome band director. And I decided that I kind of wanted to do what he was doing because it seemed like a lot of fun. So yeah. I went in for a music education degree. And then after the first year of college, again, inspired by my college professor who was the composition teacher but he was also the percussion instructor which is what i was majoring in but he yeah. also taught the mid-east ensemble and the african ensemble and the electric music ensemble and was the director of the steel band wow i was doing all that stuff with him and i thought well maybe instead of being a high school band director i could be like a college professor so i mm -hmm. switched to composition then what year was that that was um well it was my sophomore year in college which means it was 1993 how much um digital music influence was there at that point i mean midi was around but what else was there that was i mean that was about it you couldn't really you didn't have native ability to record stuff into the computer you needed to have really expensive hardware attached to the computer to get it to work back then so really it was more about i had one keyboard and a drum machine and i could trigger those via midi and record to my cassette tape okay that was about the extent of it at what point did you start getting into even interfacing with a computer or a sequencer or programmer? At that point? Even I went to the scoring for motion picture and television program out in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. This was in 1996 or 1997. So even then, unless you had Pro Tools, which was really expensive, you couldn't yeah. afford into the computer. So it was really after I moved back. So I'm from I went to high school here in North Carolina and I went yep. to college in the mountains. So I moved to L.A. for a couple of years, went to school. Did a lot of work, didn't really enjoy it. I came back home. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until then, which was 1998 or 1999, when I was using Performer, when it finally switched to Digital Performer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had the native ability, meaning you didn't have to have all this expensive hardware. You could just go through the port in the computer to record. That was the first time I was able to, to really do it. And what can you remember about the projects you were even thinking about working on at that point? What was kind of what were your options? Well, there were a lot more options when I was in LA. I was doing um, some really bad music for really bad reality TV shows. Again, yeah. I think like 1997-1998, world's scariest police chases and <laughs> okay. fights back and and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. So that was just uh, underscore, you know, using drum loops and some synthesizer sounds and uh, some violin sounds and a crash cymbal and a cymbal roll from your sampler. And it yeah. was all kind of bad underscore. But at the same time, I was working on some independent films with people here in North Carolina, which at the time they were shooting Dawson's Creek here and a couple of other TV shows. A lot of movies yeah. were getting made out here. It was a pretty, a pretty happening place, which is why yeah. when I finally decided to move back, I figured I could maybe cut my ties with LA but establish some new relationships here in North Carolina but even then a lot of it was very um, who you know and long-term commitments and doing the <laughs> films for free and no budget I think that's still the same I don't think that's changed actually <laughs> it really hasn't <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean even then in mid to late 90s I mean internet was kind of coming on you dial up so I mean you were probably shipping CD-ROMs yeah I mean, I remember talking with other composers and like, yeah, we, you know, burn stuff to CDs and send our cues out and wait to, wait yep. to hear back what was going to be it. At what point did you feel like there was a real transition in the type of work that you were doing? What was that, that pivotal project for you that kind of opened the door for you? Well, the first game I worked on, up until, up until then, I had spent 
probably five years back here in North Carolina, working working full time on yeah. not necessarily music but audio stuff. You know, I recorded lots of VOs for commercial spots and would record bands and mix their albums and uh, do do mixing and things for uh, corporate videos and put my own music underneath it. Write some music as well. Yeah. Nothing with games, but what I was doing the whole time was working on my own kind of sound and orchestra sounds and stuff in the background. So when I got the chance to score my first game, which was based on a film, so they kind of had a preconceived idea of what the music needed to sound like. In 2001, I think it was, um, King uh -huh. Arthur. Maybe it was 2003. Okay. But it was based on the movie King Arthur. Okay. And they had... I think it was 45 minutes of music they needed to be done in three weeks. It needed to be done really quickly. But I had my I have my sequencer, you know, still not a lot of software samplers or anything like that back then. Right. So I had my sequencer all loaded up with my custom orchestra sounds and everything, and I just wrote a couple of minutes of music a day and sent it off, and they seemed they seemed really really happy. And up until then, I'd been working full time, but it was doing all of those other things, and the writing music part was really the least. It was the smallest portion of my job. And it's what I love doing, especially yeah. with orchestral stuff. So to get to do that much music in such a condensed amount of time and not have the thousands of corrections that I had when I was working in L.A. with ad agencies, for example, was mm. just so refreshing and you know, creatively right. refreshing. Is that the room that you're currently in now? Is that where, where, where you have been since? No, I've been in this room for maybe three years now. Okay. What what was your room then? What what was the setup like? What were you? Let's see. It was a like six by eight by eight foot tall uh -huh. foot room that had no low end in it whatsoever. Uh -huh. She got to the back of the room and kind of yeah. crouched about halfway down. You could hear a little bit of low end. <laughs> you could find it. It was it was a terrible sounding room, really boxy. And I've been through a couple of spaces since then. Uh, before I moved into this place, which is in the backyard of my house, it's a separate building. Yeah. Uh, I was working out of my spare bedroom in my house okay. for probably three or four years before committing to build this space, which is the best of both yeah. worlds because it's at home, but it's a separate building. Right. It's it's just enough that you don't feel like you're so detached. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I can. I but I can detach myself when I finish <laughs> at the end of the day and go in the house. But yeah. if I forget to upload that file or I had to do – I can still run out here really quick and it's not like yeah. a 20-minute a drive. Do you have any you know, local influences of being where you're situated, of, of you know, just that, this, that area? Is, is there any of that? You know, the, the funny thing is I, th I feel like the game community at least around mm -hmm. here in Raleigh is kind of a good snapshot of what the – game community all over the world is now we've got a bunch of really big companies like uh, epic um red storm which is now a part of ubisoft there's an ea right. sports division here big well-known titles being made and then we've got a lot of really small companies doing things there's a company called relevant games and mighty rabbit studios which i'm working with on some of their titles which are just indie releases but anything in between those it's there's this huge whole there's no middle ground yeah and all the big games i work with seem to be companies from other parts of the world whether you know london or australia or here in the states like in seattle or san francisco and all the local stuff has been smaller 
which honestly I, I kind of enjoy because I can literally have the entire team that is making the game come over and sit in the studio and we can talk about the music. Yeah. Which is nice. It's nice to have yeah. that back and forth between a big company and a, a small company. How much of, of, I guess maybe in the past five, ten years even, how much of it is needed to go to a, a you know, scoring stage and or, or orchestral approach? Are you finding that you're able to accomplish the sound that you want in your studio? Well, you know, let's talk about Evolve and The Order, which are both yeah. coming out this month, because that's two great examples. So for Evolve, they didn't know if they wanted orchestra or not, but they knew they didn't have a budget for orchestra, because okay. the bottom line is, whatever, however much money you have, if you have $5 for the music, you're going to need another $5 to record it live. It's going to cost at least twice as much. Yeah. Now, some games, like The Order, knew they needed orchestra, they knew they wanted it live, and they had the budget built in ahead of time. So when I was brought on board, they already knew they wanted to record everything live. With Evolve, when I was brought on board, they knew that they couldn't afford or they didn't you know, have the budget allocated to do a live orchestra. But we ended up not doing any orchestra at all. Yeah. And that's where I found myself in the last couple of years. If they want live, if they want orchestra, we do it live. And if they don't have the budget for live orchestra, a lot of times I'll go in the opposite direction, like evolve, and they still get a lot of live recording. It's just me in the studio, yeah, recording everything live here, one one instrument at a time. Yeah. Do you do you find that your approach is at all different in terms of how you are writing these? I mean, I, obviously the two projects are very different. I feel. From Evolve, there's, it's a lot, uh, I guess, more shorter stingers versus the longer form that maybe the order has. But what, what, what is your mindset when you know that you don't have to show up on a stage with the full orchestra? I think there's more of a finished mindset for me. Okay. Like with Evolve, at the end of the day, I send 20 or 30 different stingers and all these little snippets of things that are maybe 30 or 45 seconds long. And once we got into it, I understood that there was essentially no feedback from them. They just kept on <laughs> the game. And the yeah. director would say, well, no one said anything about the music yet. So I knew I pretty much had the freedom to do whatever I wanted. And I needed to make sure that whatever I sent that day, I was as close to being satisfied as like, I never, I was never like, this is finished. I'm gonna send it off. It's like, well, it's the end of the day. I don't have any more time. So I'm yeah. gonna send these with the understanding that it's probably going to be the final asset that's playing in the game. How did you feel about that, knowing that some of these things which you thought were maybe roughs? It's, it, was, it was fine. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I come from that kind of background anyway. Even when I was doing orchestra stuff with older games like uh, that were orchestral, Blazing Angels or Silent Hunter, even Tomb Raider was, yeah. uh, was MIDI orchestra here in the studio. So I just knew that that was probably going to end up happening and what you try what i try not to do is go back and listen to some of the stuff i delivered early on because a lot of times i'll i'll wince just in terms of you know i've kind of learned some better production tips and i've got the interactive thing working a little better and yeah you can't help when you're spending years on a project i, I would hope that the music i sent two years later sounded better than the music i sent two years before i mean how many projects were you Doing I mean, over the, the the span of two years, how many projects do you think you've done? Oh, it's um, the the trick is anything like uh, Tomb Raider, Dead Space, The Order, yeah. uh, Evolve. 
multiple years of yeah. me being involved with the project, that doesn't mean that I'm spending 40 hours a week writing music for them. Right. It's on and off again. It'll be a couple of months I won't hear from anybody. So at any point in time, I've got you know, a couple of commercials and maybe some trailer music things I'm doing for a library and anywhere from, I think my record was back in 2012. I think I had 12 different game projects in various yeah. stages of development. You know, some of them were finishing and I was crunching really hard. Others were just getting started and I was traveling to see the developer. Others were in the middle and they didn't need any music at the time. So it's kind of, in any any month, it's multiple things going in various stages of need. Yeah. Well, for like the game Evolve, where the music in the game, well, I guess the gameplay is more of an open sandbox. It's not a typical kind of mm-hmm. first-person campaign approach. With that being said, that the, the primary kind of gameplay for Evolve is an open sandbox, what do you think about that, of how your music is either consistent or themes or melodies? Is that at all in your mindset? It was actually quite liberating because Turtle Rock understood, especially since it's a multiplayer game, that music was important, but it didn't need to be thematic and call a lot of attention to itself. And this was how, at the end, back in August, I was working on Evolve and the Order literally every day for about (laughs) five weeks because they had similar milestones that lined up. And the same thing happened with Dead Space 3 and Tomb Raider. They would have deadlines that would fall on the exact same day. Laura Croft in space. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Somewhere in between. Dead dead Raider in Tomb Raider. Dead Raider, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But what it enabled me to do, they were, Evolve and the Order were such complete completely different games is I'd get up in the morning and I'd write a two or three minute thing for the order mm-hmm. and that would take me until about lunch and I would send it off to Sony and I would move to evolve after lunch which the order was me on the computer with the keyboard using computer orchestra sounds to make it sound the way it's going to be when we record it live then I would switch to evolve which was getting up out of my chair and walking around and playing guitar and recording the cymbal through the guitar rig and doing crazy plug-in effects and yeah. using outboard equipment and there really wasn't any melody I mean okay. there were no themes there was no the only real thread of consistency was just that I was doing all of the music and I'd try to make it sound like if I'm doing three different 60 second pieces with 50 stingers that are the monster stealth mode for example I would try to make those three 60 second loops and all the stingers have a certain sound so that if I and this is exactly what I did last week if I pull them back up and put them on a timeline and build a cue out of all these little stingers and these loops it sounds like one long piece of music Okay. With the idea being, that's how it would play back in the game. You get uh, a stealth cue would play that's kind of sparse, and then these stingers would get triggered, depending on what you're doing in the gameplay. And oh, they're nice. more sound effects than anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, but it, right. It adds it, to yeah. the forward motion of the music. You know, it never sounds stale or repetitive because it's always changing. So, with that being said, of just uh, how these are, you know, how your I guess these stingers, or however you want to describe these, the music tracks being. A, Overlaid. Did you find that the gameplay or, or how it's kind of being mixed in the game is very different than how you imagined? Do you find that there's a weird clashing or ever kind of new approach to how your music's being experienced once it's actually being, you know, experienced by the gamer? It seemed pretty in line with what I had expected, which was a lot of what we had talked about. But again, this is 
the important aspect of your relationship with the developer is communication. And uh, Victor Phoenix was the audio director at Turtle Rock that I worked with. And he was yeah. really, really good about enabling me with anything he could send to let me understand how the music was planning on getting triggered. And he put a, he had a plan in place ahead of time. We need stingers for this that'll happen here. He would send mm. gameplay examples with references so I could see. I mean, it was anything from birds flying out of a tree, which is important if you're a hunter and there's yeah. possibly a monster over there, to uh, you know the monster maybe entering the arena or one of your guys is calling you. I mean, all these little tiny things that I would do six variations of, and there's hundreds of stingers with four to six variations of each one. So I never really did what I used to do, which mm. was I would I would fake the implementation and take the movie that they gave me and drop the music in where it would go. Oh, yeah. Simply, there were too many files to keep <laughs> up with and variations of files. But what I would get is a capture of something that had music in it that I delivered the previous month and with pointers to the new music that I had to do. So I was always fairly up to date and informed on how it was sounding and um, kind of what the experience would be with the players when they were doing the multiplayer version. Oh, nice. Well, what instrumentation-wise, did you, were there new instruments that you were trying to introduce? Or I mean, I know obviously you like to grab a guitar and go for some effects, but what did you find for this title that worked? You know, um, well, so the coolest thing about Evolve, I thought, was you had the, the hunter, the hunters, and the monster. And they wanted, Turtle Rock wanted to have different music playing. If you're playing as the monster, you get one score. Yeah. Playing as the hunter, you get another score. Now, a lot of times, there can the developer will cheat, and they'll just ask for stems, and they'll just kind of strip it down and say, you know, oh, well, when you're the monster, we'll play all the low drums, and when you're yeah. the, the full mix. And that's not what they wanted to do. It was two completely separate pieces of music. So I was able to do a lot of experiments with kind of the way the hunters sound, which is... You know, very synchronized and precise and lots of, you know, kind of high clicky technology sort of sounds. And the monster, which was more like the I've got a drum set upstairs. So kind of the big low toms, you know, kind of distorted, grungy stuff going through the guitar rig and really uh, scraped, stretched kind of organic sounds for the monster. And that was where I had a lot of fun, I think, was recording as much stuff as I could live, even for the hunters. There's a lot of snare drum stuff in there, although it doesn't even sound like snare drum. Yeah. I, I played it in here, but then it went through a bunch of effects. <laughs> um, and the monster was the same way. A lot of, um, like, I mean, any, I mean, even just my my chair rolling. <laughs> I, uh, I recorded that accidentally because I had the microphone open mm -hmm. going through the guitar stuff, and it had a reverb and a delay and all these in sync kind of things with the piece of music that I was doing. Oh, nice. so I rolled over to <laughs> I pick up whatever it was I was going to play, and the chair roll went through everything and made this cool swooshy oh, fun. monster. It almost sounded like a sound effect, like a flyby or something, but in a weird kind of organic, not really sure what that sound is sort of way. And that was the beginning of the monster sounds. Then it would just be... I mean, I would literally pick up um, a, a, a booklet and flip through the paper kind of like in, in time and record that or pick up 
up some pencils and tap on something or even um like a there was a pizza box that had the little you know the little plastic table oh yeah sure yeah, 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 yeah. Was still in there and it was loose and i was just shaking that it was just like a big <laughs> clickety clackety anything that didn't really sound like an instrument but could make a noise yeah. Uh, and it would, it would be in time and in rhythm, and I don't think that you'd listen to any of the tracks and go, is that a pizza box I hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a cool sort of abstract but organic sound. Yeah. Awesome. How much uh, interaction do you have with the sound um, design ed- editorial team? Do they at all get involved with any feedback? Or is it only the musical, uh, I guess, music directors or whatnot? You know, it depends on every title. With Evolve, I didn't get any feedback about anything. <laughs> Uh, did you guys get my music? Uh, yeah, and Victor would literally say it'd, it'd be I'd deliver maybe 20 minutes of music, and then a couple of months would go by, and he'd call me back up, and we'd be chatting, and he'd say, "Well, I haven't heard anything about the music. Um, you know, a couple of people commented on how cool it sounded, but no official feedback. So let's just keep moving." Oh God! At that <laughs> point, you're probably thinking, "Well, either they love it or they hate it, and they don't know how to tell me." Right. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Coming away from a game like this, I love that the first track for Evolve is, I think it is, Learn to Evolve. Mm-hmm. When you get approached by a game company, where is your mindset? Are you kind of, obviously you're working off of game art and their direction and trying to get a sense of what the game is. At what point, I mean, or do you ever get the game to actually see what the gameplay is like? Does that, do you even care about that? Does that? I, so I've had every possible combination of experience in learning what the game's all about and i've found over time that playing the game is probably the least helpful for me okay now personally i'm a terrible gamer so okay i was gonna ask you if you are a gamer you know even if i went and sat with a developer and they're like oh here go ahead and play i i want them to play so i can watch and and listen i can think about what the music needs to sound like as opposed to thinking about how i need to play the game but the worst part about uh beta testing basically is what you end up doing about having a dev kit, which I have and yeah. have played through, is most of the time the game doesn't work in okay. various aspects, or it'll crash, or and I spend up more spend end up spending more time with technical things trying to get the game to work than I do writing music. So for me, the perfect way to experience it is QuickTime captures of gameplay. Oh, nice. Okay. Because it allows me to stop and rewind, and and I can watch the same thing. I can also open that movie in my computer when I'm writing the music and I can have it on the TV up above me with the, you know, I'm doing combat music and I can have this combat scene that kind of loops. I can turn it up and listen to the sound effects and get a feel for what it, it's like scoring a film or a TV show that way. Sure. And it just makes it a lot easier in terms of perspective, how the music's gonna work, what it's gonna feel like, are those the final sound effects? Oh, the explosions are, okay. um, Actually, if I change the key, now the music sounds a lot better. It's not conflicting with the explosions or whatever. I mean, being not an avid gamer, I mean, not saying that you've ne- never played a game. Obviously, you've played video games. But what, what do you appreciate about this gaming platform of, of you know producing, composing music for the gaming universe? I, I, I just love the fact that the fan base is usually super vocal and they let you know how much they love it. Or they're, they're voracious too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was expecting. Like when I was on Tomb Raider, again, three years of being completely secretive and not being able to say anything. And the Tomb Raider fans pretty much decided, and some of my friends and my brother 
<laughs> sending me these links of things and they had it narrowed down to like five guys yeah and i was on the list and then finally they decided through interviews and everything else that it must be me i mean they picked out of all the possible people that could be scoring the game yeah i think it was like the official tomb raider fan site or something decided that i was probably the one doing it and even then i was thinking okay they're this is a big franchise it's been around for a while and i'm i'm prepared to be appreciated and still just just blown away i mean all the the activity the the contacts and with social media now it's so cool being able to communicate with people one-on-one and getting lots of personal messages from folks and i love that you know i'm from argentina and i'm this old and (laughs) this game and i just discovered video game music and i love blah 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 and it's It's great. I think the combination of the fantastic fans that have always been around in games with right. technology now and social media and everything, being able to stay in touch and you know just send a tweet out and people respond, it's it's really really um, um, satisfying. Yeah. You know, working working on the other end because the whole time you're working for three years on a game, and <laughs> why why am I doing it? I'm not I'm not working on it so that. Yeah. Um, the game sells lots of units or anything like that. I'm doing it so when people play it, they get sucked into the experience. You know, it's about being involved with uh, with an experience, and that's the the whole reason that I try to do the best I can on all these projects is yeah. the fans. Well, I think there's the aspect too. Now, not not only is there the gameplay, but there's soundtrack releases. Mm-hmm. There's opportunities such as you know E3 or GDC of like these places where people are seeking you know ways to interact with the gameplay and the work and the music what, what do you find you know the life after a game is released how, how does what's the evolution for you then of, of you know releasing a soundtrack how involved are you with those usually of course every title is completely different yeah um, again we can talk about evolve and the order because sure. for the order Sony literally left me in a room with uh, one of they're guys that I've been working with on the project for a while who ran Pro Tools and said, all right, so, you know, get everything mixed and, and <laughs> mastered and we need a soundtrack that's going to fit on a CD, so do what you need and then let us know when you're finished. And they they literally just left me to my own devices and Joel Yarger was the guy that I hung out with who's brilliant mm. and had some great suggestions and between he and I, we put together a soundtrack and that's what's coming out. Yeah. Um, now with Evolve, there is no soundtrack. Yeah, and that's really a publisher decision. I mean, I, I have zero say in what if a soundtrack gets made or not. And sometimes, even when they are going to release a soundtrack, I might not have any say on what tracks they use. It just depends on the publisher and the developer and how willing they are to keep me involved. Yeah, what, what, what can you say just about your own personal creativity and staying inspired <laughs> because you have so long. <laughs> Of a, of a gap or time period. Right. What, what is it that you feel is, um, is it movies? Is it listening to music, being with your family? What is it? Having some sort of a balance. Um, so I work, more or less, I work nine to five, Monday through Friday. 
And I, I will not work evenings or weekends unless I absolutely have to. The first couple of weeks in January, I did work evenings and weekends for about 17 days straight. And I don't think I'd ever worked that much. And it was it was hard because, I mean, I'm not 28 anymore and I can't pull the all-nighters like I used to. But sure. also from a, from a mental standpoint, I found that once I start getting physically tired, I'm mentally tired too. Everything sounds terrible. I'm a complete failure, you know, just all goes downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm less productive. I mean, I crunched because I had to, but yeah. normally, even when I was doing Evolve and The Order at the same time for five weeks, that was a very focused, I, I almost pictured myself like I was training for the Olympics because I would work nine to five and I would, I would cut it off around five or six and, yeah. and deliver everything and everything was approved and it was all great, but go inside yeah. and have dinner, glass of wine, hang out with the family, maybe watch a movie every night or so. I do love movies. And yeah. I'd be in bed by like 10. And then I'd get up early the next morning and do it again. And having that sort of um, rigid schedule with time off, mentally and physically, is the, the easiest way that I can stay fresh and, and focused and not be quite as internally uh, negative <laughs> about everything <laughs> I'm working on. <laughs> do you feel at all that you're ever I mean, being where you're located? I mean, I'm in San Francisco. I'm here in Northern California, and L.A. is a phone call away. And I imagine it's the same. It's no different. I mean, we're, we we might as well be in the same room, right? Just being how it is. Do you find that you can at all provide? I mean, what is the advantage? Why did you choose besides a lifestyle choice of 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 being there? I mean, originally it was a lifestyle choice. Okay. Um, I've had I've had conversations with some other composers in LA that are quite successful doing film and TV and games and there's it's like the 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 quality of life. I lived in LA for a while, but I was born in the South. Yep. And I grew up in the South. And my parents are here, my sister's family's here, my brother's family's here. We're all here and we all get along really well and I really missed them when I was in Los Angeles. So for me it was more of a family choice. Okay. And a and a um, just a southern kind of thing and I was just <laughs> you know lucky that when I got into games I was early enough where there wasn't quite the the competition and notoriety that there is now and games were the media that outsourced so many different aspects of their title anyway they were outsourcing music as just default yeah. so it didn't matter that I was out here yeah and I think that's the main reason that I ended up working on so many games as opposed to the TV and film, which I still do, but it's not as active. Yeah. Do you have any additional support staff for you, or is it just you in the studio? No, it's just me. No way. <laughs> that's maddening, but yeah, I guess it works. It's it's a little crazy, um, but that's kind of how I've always done it. I just didn't... Right. I, if I, I'm sure if I were in Los Angeles, I would have an assistant, but it's not is there's not as much of a selection out here and I'm not going to have anybody move yeah just to assist me <laughs> oh my gosh that would be a fun post job posting yeah, trying to must, convince yeah. must move across the country from LA to North Carolina well well I guess just wrapping things up here um with with the rest of your year ahead of you now how do you um figure out how much work you can take on knowing that it's going to be a long process or overlap or you know yeah, there's no you have no control, and it really does seem like it's it's feast or famine um, in terms of workload. I mean, I I went from 
having so many things that needed to get finished all at the same time at last yeah. at the end of last year, basically from August on until about last week, where it was just insanely crazy and the studio was getting more and more junky because I'd use something and then I'd put it down and I'd record something else and, set <laughs> up and I have an extra mic station over here and uh, I've got stands and microphones and things still in boxes that I ordered back in September that I haven't even had a chance to set up yet and now I finished delivering all the stuff that I was working on and the new projects aren't quite yet ramping up so I have some downtime and I feel weird how do you deal with that? I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I need a month off, and they're a week into their first month. That month, they're like, all right, uh, I'm ready now. Yeah, it's I took three <laughs> weeks off at Christmas and, yeah. and really, really enjoyed it. But I knew I had work to come back to. And now it's more about um, just calming down. Okay. Because I think you get you get to a point where you're just almost like ADD trying to get as many things done. If I'm kicking out five or six minutes of music a day, you know, you start your body expects that. And I, I think it's it's taken me last week was kind of my first week where I didn't have, you know, fifteen minutes of music that needed to be handed in by the end of the week. And I spent the entire week uh doing a clean install of uh an operating system, which literally it took me an entire week to install everything. It was That's very risky files you know well it's, yeah. it's it's on a secondary drive though <laughs> okay I've got, I've got two drives running at the same time uh, but that's the thing being the only guy here i'm tech support and studio maintenance and you just put on a different shirt or a hat and everything you know, else you, you yeah change roles yeah. so you know last week and this week i'm the studio tech guy i'm doing software installs and hard drive backups and rewiring the outboard compressors and figuring out how to get the eq working and there's never a loss of things to do yeah <laughs> That's so exciting. Well, um, I guess obviously people can check out your music, I suppose, on your website, jasongraves.com. And um, what, do you uh, have a SoundCloud, other Facebook pages? Where, where, I do. Where, yeah, where I have a SoundCloud, which I think is just Jason Graves. And there's, I mean, I know Tomb Raider alone, there's about three and a half hours of music up there. <laughs> Once Evolve, oh, Evolve came out today, didn't it? So it did. Once we figure out the legal aspects of it with the publisher, I'm going to be putting a promo CD, I'm pretty sure, of Evolve. It's about, I don't know, like maybe 70 minutes of music oh, awesome. up on SoundCloud. And I just put two films that I've finished recently. I put both of those up on SoundCloud. That's pretty awesome. I mean, now you're basically your own publisher and promoter. Yeah, and it's, it's all about, for me, accessibility. I mean, I, if, if, if you fast uh, rewind 20 years ago, and I was listening to certain film scores and, and, and games and things like that, I would have loved to have been able to just listen to some of the music that wasn't released or to listen yeah. to the music that was never released for a soundtrack or anything like that. So I, I kind of live vicariously through that idea and just put as much stuff as I can. I, there's also a Facebook page, which is just Jason Graves Music. Sure. And, and Twitter is JG Music. And I, I try to stay as active as I can. Um, especially with the the younger up and coming composers, you know, pointing out some software deals and <laughs> maybe some free stuff here and there, and talk shop a little bit. Everybody loves to talk shop. Fantastic, Jason. Well, thank you so much for the time, and uh, obviously, it's exciting to see a title like the Evolve come out and the Order soon after here. So I'm definitely excited. Both of those games have been three or four years in the making. And The Order will have an official soundtrack release um, on iTunes. And for the hardcore fans, you can order a physical CD released uh, through Sony Classical. It'll be like up on Amazon and some other 
places. So um, there'll be like lots of people fist pumping, I think, because <laughs> I always feel like it's kind of a losing battle. The soundtrack's been released. Where can I get the physical version? Oh, yeah. there's no physical version. Sorry. Well, now there is. Awesome, Jason. Well, thank you so much. And um, obviously, yeah, man. Uh, so jasongraves.com and soundcloud.com forward slash Jason Graves. Congrats on uh, the new projects and uh, the new year ahead. Thanks. Appreciate it. Great talk. Thanks a lot.